This is pretend leadership. Joe Biden pretending to lead America, to lead NATO. He just arrived in Brussels, where NATO headquarters is located. Probably should have done this weeks ago, but there he is trying to, well, I think he's just trying to get through the day. We don't seem to have much leadership, much moral authority on any of this. What's gonna happen? Could a miracle happen? Could somehow Joe add value? I don't think so, and that's actually pretty sad. We're talking about the conflict, the war between Russia and Ukraine, which rages on. Take a look at this, though. Women in the city of Odessa, Ukraine, are getting ready to join the military. They're learning military tactics. They're putting down whatever they were doing in um, the li their lives before the war and learning how to be soldiers. It's, uh, it's pretty, pretty impressive. Also, a tank battle in Maripol. We are told these are Ukrainian tanks firing on uh, Russian armored vehicles. And uh, it looks like in a lot of these battles, the Ukrainians have the upper hand. I wish them well, we'll be watching. In the meantime, I am actually quite proud of some of those Republican senators on the Judiciary Committee. You know, we do give politicians a hard time, but when they deliver, when they represent us, I think it's great. And here are some of the MVPs uh, at the confirmation hearing for Judge Jackson. Lifetime appointment, she deserves tough questions, and they gave them to her. And they avoided all the, I don't know, the wokeism out there. You can't say this, you can't do that because she's a black woman. No, they just had a full, honest, and I think fair crack at a real discussion. Take a look. Do you agree that our schools should teach children that they can choose their gender? Senator, I'm not um, remembering exactly what quote you're um, referencing. I'm asking, do you agree that schools should teach children that they can choose their gender? Senator, I'm not making comments about All right. what schools can teach. Can you provide a definition for the word woman? Can I provide a definition? Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. I can't. You can't? N not in okay. this context. So I'm not a biologist. Of the, the fact that you can't give me a straight answer about something as fundamental as what a woman is underscores the dangers of the kind of progressive education that we are hearing about. Yeah, and that Judge Jackson is a product of woman. Won't go there. Too touchy. Hey, Senator Blackburn, Republican of Tennessee, amazing job. You know, on the internet, they're calling her a Karen. They're calling her a, They're calling her all kinds of awful things. It doesn't matter. She's ignoring them and doing the right thing. All right, now back to our MVP list. Not on the list is Lindsey Graham. <laughs> I'm not putting him on the MVP list, although today... He was pretty good. Uh, you'll, you've heard about her, I don't know, wishy-washiness when it comes to child pornography. Here she is explaining that maybe it's not such a big deal. And Listen to his reaction. In comes the internet. On the internet, with one click, you can receive, you can distribute tens of thousands. 
you can be doing this for 15 minutes and all of a sudden you are looking at 30, 40, 50 years in prison. Good. Put, Good. I understand. Absolutely. Senator, Good. I hope you are. To do Good. Allow her to finish, please. I hope you go to jail for 50 years. If you're on the Internet trolling for images please. of children and sexual exploitation. So, so you don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's a that's horrible thing. Wow. And uh, it got even more interesting. Ted Cruz. Boy, bless this guy. He's smart and he's brave. I'm asking you to take the opportunity to explain to this committee and the American people why in 100 percent of the cases. You have people with vile crimes and you have language saying they're vile crimes. But then you sentence them to very, very low sentences. And, and why do you consistently, 100% of the time, choose to do that? Senator, no one case can stand in for a judge's entire sentencing record. These are the eight or nine child porn cases. I will say to correct the record, I I'm just say about, to the judge, there's no point in responding. He's going to interrupt you. I, Thank you. Look, I appreciate the chairman trying to filibuster. And if you don't like your witnesses' answers, you're, you're welcome to provide your own. Uh, she, she is declining to answer the question. And, and Chairman Durbin, if you want to join her on the on the on the bench, you can. But my, Chairman Durbin, uh, my job is to make Chairman Durbin, I'm not interrupting your questioning. I'm and, asking you to give her a chance to answer. But she consistently said she's not going to answer. And she did evasive. That's what they're told to be evasive. Don't say what you're really thinking. Senator Hawley. This is actually from yesterday. But uh, again, uh, a brilliant man who's not afraid. To take a guy who's 18 years old, who has what the government says is an extremely large collection of prepubescent pornography, eight-year-olds, 10-year-olds, 11-year-olds, we're talking about, I mean, gobs of hours of, of time here that he has, you say to him that he's not a pedophile. I don't know how you know that. I don't know why that's relevant to the guidelines, but may maybe it is. You say that you're very sorry for him and what he suffered, and then you give him three months when, frankly, a liberal prosecutor is asking for two full years. I mean, it does seem like an extraordinary case to me. It would bother me no matter what. It really bothers me when in every case, child porn case you've had, you've had discretion, you've sentenced below the guidelines and below the government's recommendation. Now to her, uh, you know, her answers aren't really worth that much. I mean, very, very evasive. I'm told she's smart and she went to all the right schools, but actually at times it's not that impressive. Uh, you got to be ready for these theoretical questions. Have something a bit more clever to say than this. When, uh, when does life begin in your opinion? Senator, um, I don't know. <laughs> Ma'am? I don't know. Do you have I, a I belief? I, I have um, personal, religious, and otherwise beliefs that have nothing to do with the law in terms of when life begins. Do you, do you have a personal belief, though, about when life begins? I have a religious view. Religious belief? That I set aside when I am ruling on cases. Okay. When, when, when does... Uh, when does equal protection of the laws attach to a, to a human being? Well, Senator, um, I believe that the Supreme Court, um, actually, I, I actually don't know the answer to that question. I'm sorry. I don't. Okay.
Yeah, I'm sorry, uh, not that impressive uh, for all the talk of her brilliance. Look, these questions are about, are about her record, her philosophy, her judgment. It's all fair game. But the left, the media, no way. And how did they characterize what has been happening? These Republican senators, what are they doing? Lindsey Graham, they're making quite a stink, certainly playing to, to an audience uh, of the Republican base that we've seen a lot of today, Lindsey. Yeah, a lot of the Republicans, though, clearly playing to their base, even to the far right, airing some old grievances. They use now these hearings to throw spears at each other and uh, try to score political points and also to firm up their base. Exactly. Problem? This is a democracy. This is America. Those senators are representing us and they're doing what we want them to do, which is to evaluate this judge who nobody ever heard of just two months ago. And now she's up for a lifetime appointment. This is what it's about. Democracy. Yes, the base. There's nothing wrong with that. And do we have a little bit of a grudge? Maybe some of us. Kavanaugh, right? I mean, what happened to him? How they treated it? We're not doing anything like that to this woman, and I don't want that to happen, but come on. Finally, Tom Cotton. He is, um, not only is brilliant, but he's a, he's a warrior. He served in Iraq as an infantry officer, and uh, he reminds me of Abe Lincoln. He went to um, issues of law and order, and boy, did we need to hear it. Isn't it inherent in the concept of deterrence that people are less likely to commit crime if they're more likely to get caught, convicted, and sentenced? Why can't you just say it, that's the case? Senator, it's not that I'm avoiding saying that's the case. No, that's that exa I've Judge, that's exactly what you're doing. I I'm asking a very simple question. In general, is someone more likely or less likely to commit a crime? If they know they're going to be caught, convicted, and sentenced, it's very it's the heart of deterrence. It's, it's it's very difficult to answer questions in general. Is 17 years too long or not long enough for a criminal to spend in prison for murder? Senator, these are policy questions. Do you know how long the average inmate convicted of rape serves in prison in America? Well, Senator, rape is not a crime in the federal system. It's 7.2 months. Do you think 7.2 months is too long or too short for someone convicted of rape to be sentenced to prison? Senator, that's a policy question. Do you think we imprison too many violent criminals or not enough? Senator, it's important for our rule of law to ensure that people are held accountable. Should the United States strengthen or weaken sentences for child pornographers? Senator, that's not a simple question. There's a lot of that. It was evasive. Look, she's clearly soft on crime. Uh, that comes through loud and clear. And right now, crime is out of control in America. This isn't a fantasy. This is happening every single day. And we didn't have this <laughs> very long ago. In the middle of the day, in, in the open, commerce happening all over the place. These guys hitting a cosmetic store. This, an Apple store in San Bernardino, California, organized gangs going in and taking, how about this grandmother uh, carjacking and her arm was ripped off. This is real. This is happening. And it's not going away because everybody seems to be just going along with it. And what did we do? What did America do? Delegitimize cops. 
because of Black Lives Matter in the summer of 2020, this was somehow deemed righteous. This is somehow truth to power and all that nonsense. And George Floyd, a career criminal, by the way, and a drug addict who should not have died that day. However, however, a criminal record as a mile long and worshiped as a hero. A state funeral while we were all shut down. A state Now there's a statue for him. It's ludicrous. Society has been turned upside down. And we have a right to know if one of the highest, uh, most important people in America has our values. And I don't think she does. It all started to unravel in America. Black Lives Matter, that summer of 2020, unra- it was already unraveling. Then it just went into uh, hyperspeed. Uh, up is down, down is up. It is totally, totally crazy. And we're still going in the wrong direction. And I think this is a great example of it. Uh, The Utah governor, Spencer Cox, just vetoed a bill that would have barred transgender athletes from competing in girls' sports in middle school. In middle school, he's doing this, he says, out of compassion. I believe he's doing it because deep down, he wants recognition, like so many people do, from the New York Times, the ultimate newspaper. It's the most powerful media outlet, even with all the other alternatives This is powerful, and they love transgenderism, and they love people who promote it Um, all day long, every single day, features, uh, specials, uh, videos, uh, stories on trans soldiers separated by war. A lot of it is mythology, Um, but right now, they're winning. They're winning. November, people got to get out and vote. When we come back, Home Depot wood, hard, hardware, screws, uh, tools, right? They're pushing the woke agenda as well in a shocking way. Be right back. All I can, I can say is that the fake news just doesn't get it, do they? They don't get it. They don't get us. They don't get much of anything. So um, Lindsey Graham asked the judge a question about her faith. And I think it's okay, actually, right? There are going to be a lot of issues that come up. Are you a person of faith? What's wrong with that? Really, what is wrong with that? It's no right or wrong answer, necessarily. Look at what happened and look at how the fake news reacted. On a scale of one to ten, how faithful would you say you are? terms of religion. You know, I go to church probably three times a year, so that speaks poorly of me. <laughs> or do you, do you attend church regularly? Well, Senator, I am reluctant to talk about my faith in this way. You're a Southern guy like me. You grew up in this church in the South like me. Yeah. yeah. Asking somebody to grade their Christianity on a scale of one to ten. There's so many things wrong with that. That's some word in Deuteronomy or something like that. You know, the scale. I mean, it's it's, 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 it's great if she had said, I go to 11. Christianity goes to 11. This one goes to 11. This is 11. Not her fight. Not her gig. I guess they had Like, ask her about the Constitution. Well, that line of questioning, which was so grotesque from Lindsey Graham, was all about Amy Coney Barrett. That was the point he was trying to make if you actually hung in there for those however long, 15 minutes or so. 
a grotesque question, grotesque, and they laughed and laughed and laughed. Um, that's how they treat faith, by the way. Uh, I watch that show, actually, for laughs to see what the swamp is uh, saying and thinking. They never, ever talk about faith. And when they do, they use it as a, as a cudgel, as a weapon. Her answer, by the way, was probably okay. But their reaction was kind of disgusting. What's wrong with talking about faith? Hey, actually, I learned this from one of those former fake news guys, David Gregory. Uh, remember him? He used to be on Meet the Press. Well, believe it or not, he actually wrote a pretty interesting book. Uh, and he took a line from George W. Bush. How's your faith? It's kind of like a conversation opener. What's wrong with talking about faith? Uh, it's not grotesque, and certainly for a job like Supreme Court Justice, where you're going to be handling matters of church and state, and what what's it's okay, in my opinion. And don't forget how we first met this judge. The first words out of her mouth, which were beautiful, by the way, were these. I must begin these very brief remarks by thanking God for delivering me to this point in my professional journey. My life has been blessed beyond measure, and I do know that one can only come this far by faith. Totally beautiful. But only if she initiates the conversation. What if somebody else wants to initiate the conversation? That's okay. It's not grotesque, and it's not to be mocked. All right, back to the hearings for a moment. Ted Cruz, I mentioned earlier he was great, and this was interesting as well. If, if, if I can change my gender, if I can be a woman, and then an hour later, if I decide I'm not a woman anymore, I guess I would lose Article Three standing. Uh, tell me, does that same principle apply to other protected characteristics? For example, I'm, I'm an Hispanic man. Could, could I decide I was an Asian man? Would, would I have the ability to be an Asian man? and challenge Harvard's discrimination because I made that decision? Senator, I'm not able to answer your question. You're asking me about hypotheticals and um, well, I'm asking you how you would assess standing if I, if I came in and said, I have decided I identify as an Asian man. It's interesting. You know, the left, they're the ones who are promoting transgenderism, and they're the ones who get very, very touchy if you bring it up and don't bring it up on their terms. It's interesting where we are in America. Remember that Democrat congresswoman who put the transgender pride flag in front of her office in a way that might trigger Marjorie Taylor Greene? She was promoting that her teenage daughter decided to transition. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's celebrated. That's, they hope, they want to make it mainstream. Whereas Marjorie Taylor's reaction, this is hate speech, right? This, this is hateful conduct. Uh, a statement of fact. There are two genders, male and female. Trust the science. Good for you, Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene. And there's the sign in full. Her head's in the way right now. But yes, indeed, that is a statement of fact. And here's a statement of fact as well. This whole pride thing, pride in anything, pride has been, it's so good now, right? Pride that you're gay, pride that you're straight. Pride is actually a bad word. An excessive preoccupation with self and one's own importance, achievements, status, or possessions. Pride used to be a bad thing, but now, man, be proud that you're gay, straight, uh, whatever it is, in this case, gay, or future gay. These are children at that school in Austin, Texas.
Hear that there chanting pride, 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 pride. Um, and if you don't have the discussion on the left's terms, you're in big trouble. Uh, you know who Charlie Kirk is, right? We love Charlie Kirk. He has been uh, suspended from Twitter for not having the transgender conversation in the appropriate manner on their terms. The Babylon Bee, still off of Twitter. Great satirical newspaper, uh, great website, very, very funny and insightful. They're done on Twitter. Savannah Hernandez, uh, and this is a problem, by the way. She's great. But when they silence these conservatives, I think it has a corrosive effect, and it actually has a chilling effect on other conservatives. They're less likely to speak out. People don't want to lose their status. They don't want to lose their followers. Everybody's got to go to Getter. Have you heard of Getter? It is the alternative to Twitter, and also uh, Truth Social is going to be very, very big. Hey, I just want to say one thing about Peter Thiel. Do you remember him? He invented PayPal. He helped create Facebook happens to be gay. He also happens to be very, very brave. Can we see Peter Thiel for a moment? He spoke at the 2016 uh, Republican National Convention, and man, he was fantastic because all of these silly issues that now are first and foremost (laughs) should be silly issues, not first and foremost. Listen to this. When I was a kid, the great debate was about how to defeat the Soviet Union, and we won. Now we are told, now we are told that the great debate is about who gets to use which bathroom. This is a distraction from our real problems. Who cares? I hope he comes back. Trump administration, DeSantis administration, something. Guys like him are great. When we come back, this man wanted for alleged crimes on January 6th has escaped to political freedom in Belarus, of all places. We'll be right back. If you've had it with the old news and the same spent, well, then Spicer and Company's your place for the inside story and for the facts that you need to know. So that's Evan Newman on January 6th. Evan Newman uh, was wanted by the FBI and then arrested, uh, a host of charges. Um, He's out of jail, and actually now he's out of the country. He went to Belarus, all the way over to Belarus, and he's going to live there. Apparently there's no extradition situation, treaty between Belarus and America. He's going to stay there because he says he fears political persecution in America. Listen to this. Belarus is very nice. Belarus is очень хорошее место. And um, I feel safe in Belarus, especially compared to my compatriots in America. Uh, there have been six defendants who have uh, killed themselves. I'm very grateful, and uh, it is um, bittersweet, like a eating klukva. So uh, very happy and very sad at the same time. Yeah, bittersweet. Uh, You know what? I don't know if I can blame the guy. I mean, what we have done as a country to the January Sixers has been totally over the top and beyond. I mean, really, this looks like Abu Ghraib. And he's right about the suicide. And Ashley Babbitt, 
shot and killed and nobody cares. So he's going to stay in Belarus. Hey, the horns guy, who's basically the poster child of all this, remember about him, he didn't hurt anybody and he didn't break anything and they put him into solitary confinement. He's going to spend many years in jail. Belarus or jail? I don't know, I don't know. Good luck to Evan Newman. Also this, uh, Home Depot. Who doesn't like Home Depot? It's very complicated, hard to find stuff there, but you gotta go to Home Depot. There's a Home Depot in Canada. Are these individually managed? We can't tell if this is from one store manager or from the entire chain, but take a look at this, a guidebook on how to be woke and defining what white privilege is, societal privileges that benefit white people beyond what is commonly experienced by people of color. This is a manual for people who work there. And it goes on, this little thing. If you're confident that the police exist to protect you, you have white privilege. Uh, okay. If while growing up, college was an expectation of you, not a dream, you have class privilege. If you can expect time off from work to celebrate your religious holidays, you have Christian privilege. And somebody's got to apologize for all that stuff. And it goes on and on and on. This nonsense, you know, when they start doing it, it's one thing at Yale, but at the hardware store, that's really troubling and crazy and kind of funny, actually. In a weird way, it's funny. Do you know who Nicole Hannah-Jones is? She's a very mediocre reporter for the New York Times, but she got on this race kick a while back, tries to make believe that 1619 is the true founding of America because that's when slaves came here and everything is slave-based. It really is half-baked stuff. All scholars seem to agree. Her latest observation is that tipping Tipping is a legacy of slavery, and it's not optional. Then it shouldn't be a tip, but simply included in the bill. Have you ever stopped to think why we tip? Like why tipping is a practice in the U.S. and almost nowhere else. I uh, don't want to brag here, but I've traveled the world, actually, military service before and after. And uh, yeah, everybody, uh, tipping is a thing. Yeah, in France, they put it on the bill. <laughs> but basically everywhere else, you leave a tip and you can look it up. You can go to the State Department. You can go to a travel guide and you can look up the customs of any country. We looked up Kenya. Most Kenyans in the travel industry are paid very low wages and rely heavily on tips. Tipping is down to individuals as you tip according to the service you get. All right. How about another country? Che Norway. Usually for Norwegians to leave a tip in restaurants and bars, if they are happy about the service, a 10 to 20% tip is expected. Sorry to break it to Nicole Hannah-Jones, but not everything is racist, okay? Okay. We'll be right back with Congressman Michael Waltz. He's got a lot to say about the Ukraine situation. Also, we'll meet a dad of a swimmer who lost to trans athlete Leah Thomas. Be right back. It's our America. We built it. Courage. Freedom. Millions go to Newsmax when they need to know. Start today on the free Newsmax app. Newsmax is real news for real people. <laughs> All right, so let's face it. Uh, the situation with that trans swimmer, Leah Thomas, it's a farce. It's a total and complete farce. Yet our culture seems to be going along with it. Not everybody. The elites, the New York Times, 
The NC2A, yes, but normal sane people are not. This is so unfair. It's unfair to the women, most of all. It really is, and look at them, they know, they know. They've been very respectful. Uh, they don't want to get into the po politics of it all, I suppose, but I'd like to bring in Philippe Delgado. He is a former Olympic swimmer in his own right. His daughter recently competed against Leah Thomas. Uh, for reasons of privacy, we're going to leave her name out of it per your request, and I totally understand because, uh, I'm sorry, Felipe, um, you know, let's face it, kids, a lot of heat could come down on her. So we're not going to talk about her specifically. But anyway, sir, welcome. How are you doing? I'm doing good, Greg. Thanks for having me on. You bet. So <laughs> you live, eat, and breathe swimming. I don't. Right. I, you know, I, I see it every four years, and it's great, and I don't think about it again. But you're in it day in and day out. Is it as offensive and ridiculous to you as it is to me? Well, I'll be honest with you. Um, I think that the NCAA missed the point here. And I think we need, especially with these trans athletes who are, are looking to compete at, uh, in the other gender, I think that the NCAA really has to take a stance in making sure that we protect the women. Um, they've come so far uh, to have somebody come in and, and, and take over their sport and take over their, their biggest meet of the year and something that most of these girls have been working on for really their entire lives to get to the pinnacle of their career just to have somebody come in and derail that. So the NCAA had an opportunity to, to make things right, and unfortunately they missed that opportunity. USA Swimming, um, all credit to them, they did come out with some strict policies for trans transgender athletes that they, they should have had to adhere to. Unfortunately, the NCAA decided not to follow those policies, something that they said that they were going to do. They were going to follow all of the governing body's policies from each individual sport. They decided not to, and that's why we had the circus take place last week in Atlanta. Well, sir, I mean, more than missing the mark and the NCAA, 2A, if they're getting involved and some of the they, they actually prescribe, you know, hormone therapy for trans athletes. I, I just don't see that as something the NC, the National College Athletic Association should be talking about. I mean, they're, they're about refs and whistles and, 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 and scoreboards. I mean, I mean, really, just like telling a trans person how long they have to be on hormone, I guess, testosterone-reducing chemicals seems insane, sir. Well, that's correct. Look, we all, we all just came out of being experts in, in infectious disease, right? All of us. So, you know, you, what can you blame the NCAA for trying to, be, to, to become esper, experts in hormone therapy? But I'm sure the NCAA has, has people that they have access to who can guide them down this path and saying what's right and what's wrong. Unfortunately, this is where I say they missed the mark where USA Swimming, FINA, which is a governing body of, of international swimming, both came to the conclusion that stricter policies need to be, needed to be put in place for trans athletes to be able to compete. And if we're going to go down that path, why not make it fair for all? Instead of trying to be inclusive of one, let's be inclusive of all. Um, what I felt when I was in Atlanta is that we were inclusive of one athlete and exclusive of a ton of athletes, biological women, who were there to compete. And again, it was the pinnacle of most of their careers. Like you said, Greg, once every four years, you tune into the Olympics and then you tune it out. This is their opportunity to, to be tuned into, even if for a microsecond, and even if at a much smaller level than the Olympic Games. But this was their opportunity. And that opportunity got hijacked by one individual. And unfortunately, everything that was great about that swimming never came out because we've been focusing on this. So that's, I mean, that's the most unfortunate part for these athletes. 
Do you have any theories about the motives of Leah Thomas? I mean, does Leah Thomas is just really, does she really like swimming? Or is there some larger agenda that Leah seems to have here? I, I, I have a feeling there's, you know, this is a troublemaker and a radical and a, forgive me, very weird person. And uh, she's ruining the sport. Now, you're an expert. You're an insider. Have you picked up? What have you picked up about her motivate? You're a lot closer to her than we've been. You've been, in, you've been around her. Uh, what do you think? So, Greg, I'll be honest with you. I think Will uh, Thomas, when Will Thomas started swimming and, and made his way up the ranks and the club ranks and, and uh, was recruited to go to the University of Pennsylvania, um, I think there were great motives, very pure motives. They had, I think Will Thomas wanted to be a great student athlete, and I think he was able to achieve that for the first three years at UPenn. What happened uh, once the transition started, and I don't think anybody, let's be honest and let's, let's, let's be truthful here, I don't think anybody transitions for sports. I think, I think Will Thomas transitioned into Leah Thomas because felt, uh, Will, or Leah felt more comfortable uh, identifying as a female athlete, or as a female, I should say. Now, the athletic part was just uh, part of the, of the big picture. Yeah. So right. to be honest with you, as far as, as far as Leah Thomas being at this event, I think it was a moral decision that Leah Thomas made that hopefully at some point, uh, Leah looks back at this and says, maybe this was the wrong decision. Maybe I shouldn't have come out and made this statement. From a political standpoint, I think there was some, po- this is my opinion. This is not, nobody's told me this. I don't know any more than you do. But I think there was a political statement that was made, and that was let trans kids swim. That was the message at the meet, let trans kids swim or let trans kids play. So what was the political message? The political message is such, trans kids can win. Leah Thomas won the 500 freestyle, but trans kids don't necessarily have to dominate. Okay. Leah Thomas in the 200 free got fifth, in the 100 free got eighth. So there's the nar- narrative. We can win, but we don't necessarily have to dominate, so we should be inclusive because we're just like you. Right. So is there where the political statement was made? Is there where the circus uh, was set and the clowns were the, the, the uh, biologically uh, female athletes? Yeah, I think that's what, that's what we saw. I'm not convinced that Leah Thomas uh-huh. was swimming at 100% as a coach, as a, as a, as a father, as an, as an ex-Olympic athlete myself. I wasn't convinced that Leah Thomas was going at 100% in any of those events. So that's where I think the political statement was made to uh-huh. further... That, Look, um, it's it, it's all it's all a mess, quite frankly. Uh, how about trans swimmers or athletes competing against other trans athletes? Have their own league? Maybe maybe that's a solution. I want to play this, by the way, because this is, as you know, uh, a hot topic being discussed nationally. Marsha Blackburn today brought it up at the uh, confirmation hearings for Judge Jackson. Listen. Just last week, an entire generation of young girls watched as our taxpayer-funded institutions permitted a biological man to compete and beat a biological woman in the NCAA swimming championships. What message do you think this sends to girls who aspire to compete and win in sports at the highest levels? Senator, I'm not sure what message that sends. If, if you're asking me about the legal issues related to it, um, those are topics that are being hotly discussed, as you say. There it is, front and center in the most important hearing, arguably, in the country right now. Listen, uh, Felipe Delgado, we have to go. Uh, final thoughts, sir? 
Well, Greg, I really appreciate you having me on. And uh, my thoughts are this. My thoughts are that the NCAA should immediately adapt uh, USA Swimming's policies on transgender athletes. Um, that would really uh, protect the biological women who are competing at these events from their events being taken away from them. So if, if there is a message to be said, let's start there. Let's start the conversation there. We can fine tune along the way. And if I can be any assistance in the process, I'd be more than welcome to be an assistance and be, be able to help out in, in making this right. Awesome. Felipe Delgado, our best to your daughter, uh, a veteran of two Olympic Games. Thank you, sir. And we'll be right back with the congressman on Ukraine. These are, we believe, civilian Ukrainian women learning the tactics and weapons of war. They are getting ready to fight the Russians. The battles continue in Ukraine against Russian forces. We believe these are Ukrainian tanks engaging armored vehicles of the Russians. Uh, and the Ukrainians are winning a lot of these battles. Into the fray, well, several hundred miles away, uh, Joe Biden arrived in Brussels, actually probably a thousand miles away. Uh, oh boy, he just, yikes. That looks weak just getting off the plane. Joe Biden meeting with our NATO allies. We'd like to bring in an expert, Congressman Mike Waltz, Republican of Florida, member of the House Armed Services Committee, also uh, over 24 years of service in the United States Army, a former Green Beret, multiple tours in Afghanistan. Sir, welcome back. How are you? Yeah, good, good to be with you, and uh, yeah, God bless the Ukrainians. Indeed, indeed. Sir, what's your sense overall? Number one, Joe Biden getting off that plane. I don't want to nitpick, but gosh, he just seemed, you know, he seemed very weak. It seems this is not a good image, but moving beyond that, yeah. can he do well, anything? Keep in mind, this is, this is just, what, weeks after the vice president uh, went out and arguably made the the situation worse. It wasn't exactly an exemplar of of leadership. But here's here's what I hope uh, to hear uh, essentially in Biden's message tomorrow at Brussels. Uh, number one, Europe, hope you've gotten a wake up call and you will finally live up to your defense commitments of two percent of your GDP. The United States will no longer subsidize your defense. Number two, get off Russian oil. Uh, and get off Russian gas, you need to be energy independent or at least buying uh, allied gas or American gas. Uh, and number three, drawing some very clear red lines on Putin uh, uh, using weapons of mass destruction or using chemical weapons. Uh, stop telling Putin what you won't do. Stop telling Putin, uh, giving him all your cards on the table and say all cards are on the table uh, if you go there and start getting inside his calculus instead of being deterred by him. Uh, on chemical weapons, um, Joe, Joe Biden, just before he got on the plane, leaving the White House, said this about the prospect of the Russians using chemical weapons. Mr. President, how concerned, how concerned about the threat of chemical warfare right now that Russia would use chemical weapons? How high is that threat? I think it's a real threat. I, I think it's a real threat. It was both weak and escalatory at the same time. Somehow, uh, I yeah. would, I, I, yeah. I, Trump would have handled it differently. Your, your, your reaction? Well, Trump did handle it differently, right? I mean, one of the reasons this is a threat is yes, it's part of Russian doctrine, but.
Putin believes he can get away with it. He got away with it in Syria. Obama famously drew a red line and then didn't enforce it. Uh, and so Putin continued to think he could get away with it under Trump. Big mistake. Uh, he got 60 cruise missiles uh, in response and didn't do it again. But uh, look, I am very concerned that this administration, they give warnings, they say things may happen, but they don't talk about consequences for deterrence to stop it from happening. Uh, and that continues to give Putin space to escalate because he thinks he can do it and get away with it. The Kremlin spokesman is actually, again, we heard nukes from uh, Putin and the spokesman seems to be even advancing that. Listen, please. We have a concept of uh, domestic security. And, uh, well, it's public. You can read all the reasons for nuclear uh, arms to be used. So if it is an ex existential threat for our country, then it can be used in accordance with our concept. Nuclear weapons on the table in his book. This is just getting worse and worse and worse. And we just kind of like are just standing by, right, Congressman? Yeah, again, one, once again, let's let Putin uh, and his thugs dictate the terms, and then we'll think about how we're going to react instead of saying, here's what's going to happen if you even think about going there, uh, and it will not be good for you, Putin, and your grip on power. Uh, that's how mutually assured destruction works. Uh, nobody wants World War III, let me be clear, but the best way to prevent it is to be very clear about the consequences if someone tiptoes near that line. But the Russian doctrine is to escalate, to de-escalate, and as long as you let them get away with it, they will continue to climb that escalation ladder as long as far and as high as they can to try to achieve their strategic ends. Congressman Mike Waltz, Republican of Florida, we're glad you're in Congress, sir. Thank you so much with your expertise. Appreciate All right, you. We'll very keep fighting much. that fight. Thank you. Thank you, sir. We'll be right back. Information. Truth is freedom, is Newsmax. It's real news for real people. When I look at you, this is why I get emotional. I'm sorry, you're, you're, you're a person that is so much more than your race and gender. You're a Christian, you're a mom, you're, you're, you're an intellect, you love books. But for me, I'm sorry, I... I it's hard for me not to look at you and not see my mom, not to see my, my cousins, one of them who had to come here and sit behind you. She had to be, she had to have your back. I see my ancestors and yours. Uh, wait a second. Did he say that that was his mom? Cory Booker is older than she is. Corey, what an insult. Totally over the top and weird. Typical Washington. See you tomorrow. Stinchfield's next. Thank you.